Welcome to Slartify episode two. We have two special guests this week, Tara Vattenpur and Sophie El Homsi. Tara Vattenpur is a Persian, Azari, American and French artist who has a strong educational background in fine arts. She has exhibited internationally in Venice, London and Paris. Her work uses mainly installation art and performance art. Although multidisciplinary, she created the fashion brand Tara Vattenpur, recently completing her artistic research and expression by creating Haughty Couture. Sophia Homsi is art agent and brand representative at Tara Vattenpur and a very good artist in her own right. And you'll hear more about that in this episode. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode and make sure you subscribe. Thank you. Hi, Tara and Sophie. How are you doing? Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. Can you hear me? Yes, I Yeah. Can. can you hear me? Oh, good. Yeah, perfect. So, um, yeah, thank you for your time. Um, it's just going to be like a kind of casual chat, really. Um, I try not to make it too formal. Um, Sophie, I know you, you listened to the one I did with Olek before. So yes. it was kind of like more of a chat about art and you know bits and pieces around that and our own life experiences and stuff so so whereabouts are you both you both in the same area then or you yeah. different places yeah I'm just outside of Paris but Tara you're based in Paris itself yeah yeah so around Paris you're around London aren't you um I'm between London and Bristol a place called Swindon yeah. um yeah. I doubt if you've heard it because it's not the most exotic town Actually, I have. Yeah, I've never been there, but I have heard of it. Oh, you have? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot of history with the railways, but that's about it. It's not It's not quite as cool as London. I did live in London for about 10 years, so that was, that was a good experience. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you both how you, how you both got into art, really, because um, I know a lot of people is from childhood, isn't it? Just the kind of interest we get into, but... Yeah, yeah, to both of you, whoever wants to answer first. Do you want to go first? I mean, I can go first. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, as you said, Steve, yeah, for me, it's definitely the childhood. I mean, art is in my blood, if I can say that. Mm. My said, especially on my mother's side, my uncle is an artist. He paints. My aunt paints. She also does a lot of work with like fabrics, um, lampshades. Um, all, all stuff like that they're very creative and my mum collected decorative art pieces so yeah I grew up with art and also since we were very small my sister and I used to go to museums quite a lot my mum uh, took us to museums we did these children workshops and I loved it I loved it and I was also, I also had the chance to do art classes and history of art classes when I was growing up and mm. I learned how to paint and sculpt and draw use Chinese ink, all that kind of stuff. And I just continued painting. There was only one time when I stopped and that was when I was studying at university because we, we usually when you study, we there's these tiny places where there's just not enough space because when you, you do art, you need so much material and it gets messy. So I just, I just stopped. But mm. thanks to quarantine, maybe one of the few positive outcomes of the quarantine was that I had to go back to my parents' house and I just painted again and I think compared to what I did before I really found my style I think 
yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I've seen some of your stuff on Instagram. It's very beautiful. Thank you. Um, we can it. talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, Tara, what about you? How did you get into it then? Um, I, I mean, it's an interesting question. I think it's a bit controversial. Like, um, I got into it as well from childhood I would say like for me it was more um due to trauma you know like kids when there's something happens like it's easier to respond with creativity and for me mm -hmm. I just kind of uh responded with art because it was too horrible everything that was around me so I was mm -hmm. constantly drawing constantly doing this 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 but I was also really lucky because you know you can have um talent or desire to do art and it's not cultivated and my parents did see that I wanted was drawing a lot and they did put me in uh, classes very very when I was very young when I was like uh, five or six years old and you know they continued until today basically and so I, I think the more tricky part of like how we come to do art today it's also like uh, or how we are able to continue and create continuity in the path like that that's really tough that's a hard one mm. yeah yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I did. That's what I wanted to ask you. So I noticed on your website, you like a few of your pieces were mental health related. So is it kind of a expression in that respect? Because um, yeah, I, um, uh, I'm interested in uh, that side of things as well from my own experiences. But I won't go into my story. So is it all right if you say a bit more about the like the more recent work and stuff um, where you've been discussing mental health? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it was actually a surprise for myself because I started to talk about mental health when I submitted work for an exhibition in Australia that I did not get about mental, <laughs> mental illness. And uh, the exhibition was about, they wanted people to, artists to present work that um, was talking about mental illness, uh, but bringing it in with humor. Yeah. And I, it forced me to work on that. And I realized very quickly that all of my work already tended to go towards that because there is a part, I believe, when anyone does art um, that mixes with our own personal experience of life, right? So like my own personal experience of life has a lot of trauma, has to do with mental illness up until now. And so it shows in my art. Uh, but afterwards, after that exhibition that I did not get, especially, I made the choice, which is a bit different. I made the choice to start exploring what it meant to talk about mental illness artistically. And so like when I make that choice, um, the intention being there, it made the whole process very conscious and made it makes it not only just from my own experience, but it brings in you know, a lot of references of other artists that work on mental illness and memory that I can't um, cite because I, I don't remember their name right now. Mm. But I know there's a lot of people who work on that, actually. And, I, you know, I discover some people that work on that every day. And so the question becomes, how can we, how can I innovate in this sector? How can I innovate in uh, making art that talks about broken memories, that talks about trauma, that talks about mental illness, and um, and how how can that help the world to move forward in a positive direction? And so, mm. like, it, there's kind of this more intellectual research, theoretical research that comes in 
before the more practical and artistic. And as Sophie was saying, you know, very hands-on uh, result that gets produced. And I guess that's that's what the process is at the moment is how do we put that into a collection of couture clothing? How do I want to create pieces of art that people will have in their homes about this? How do I want to create a whole exhibition that will talk about this? Mm. And so it's these kind of questions that I'm trying to answer at the moment. And I go through a lot of experimentation and, you know, um, we'll see what happens. So like for now, there are just more and more pieces that kind of uh, talk about that and about other things as well yeah I think that's wonderful you're doing that it's I know it's quite a hard thing to share publicly and this is quite a vulnerable thing to do isn't it um, but it's, it's not only cathartic for the artist it's also hopefully it helps other people as well I mean art is vulnerable yeah to me you know both yep. for the viewer and the artist it's for me it's very vulnerable the, the whole thing you know yeah but ultimately tara we we had so many conversations about the about this since we've worked together but it's ultimately about helping people to heal and that's also one of the things that attracted me to your work and right now we're working on the a performance that's going to happen very soon it's on eating disorders, which also is a very difficult theme to talk about. Mm. And we're still we're still struggling about how you're going to do this. Um, yeah, thank you for bringing that react. up. I, I completely, um, yeah, <laughs> I forgot for a minute about this performance. It's yeah, true. We, we have so many projects going on. You have so yeah. many projects. <laughs> <laughs> kind of I was most, yeah, I was more focused on the like fashion show, but you're right. Yeah, There's yeah. this performance oh. that we've been preparing. We're actually, we're waiting to see if the public responds kind of to the invitation and then see if it happens or not. But yeah. Um, it's interesting because it's like, you know, that's typically something where I wanted to talk about my own experience. And then I realized um, that in the arts, there's also, you know, like there's the work, the, the quality of the work. So I had to, I have to ask myself, uh, is it improvised? Why is it improvised? What is the structure of the performance? Because each performance has a structure, <laughs> like, yeah. and it becomes soon very closer to, kind of an educational project, like something that you need to be educated about. And so it's a lot of research and the goal, yeah, it's, is to help people. And I think like one of the first steps is creating awareness. Like when I have awareness, then it allows me to have identification. And I guess I just, I just want to do that with that performance, you know, seeing what it brings in people, but it's really hard because uh, not everyone responds well to that topic in particular. Mm. Yeah. so what kind of performance have you planned then or is it top secret at the moment <laughs> no it's not <laughs> top secret at all um, I'm actually very open about like my work I don't mind sharing okay. um, I have a lot of ideas and I think part of it will you know be spontaneous because my performances um, are usually like that part of it is spontaneous part of it is also inviting the public to be part of the performance and so there's this whole section of the performance that I want the public to surprise me and to kind of invent the performance with me at the in the moment. But the projection that I'm thinking is um, doing some kind of very just graphic work with different foods. Uh, and so like that's very visual, you know, like it brings very visual kind of connotations in people's minds. 
And I think just this thing of playing with the food is for me, what I have experienced with an eating disorder is like, you know, when we say to kids, don't play with the food, like to me, that's super silly because when I restrict myself or indulge in binging or whatever and obsess about the food, that's how I play with it. That's how I play with my life instead mm-hmm. of focusing on my life and instead of facing my feelings, I translate them within that ritualistic process. And so I just wanted something very graphic and then maybe invite people to, you know, in their own home because it would be on Zoom to either either dance with me, <laughs> to have a food dance with me, mm-hmm. or maybe they have questions and I answer them without speaking, you know, like it can be a lot of things, but that's kind of the foundation of my thoughts about this. Um, I think the performance, um, I'm always feeling when I do a performance that um, the performance guides me more than I guide the performance. So I just have a lot of trust in that process. And um, yeah, so I think it will be a surprise partly for myself as well. Exciting. (laughs) I look forward to seeing how that unfolds then. Um, Yeah, I was going to say... I, I haven't started sharing um, through my artwork more of my personal stuff, but well, I am trying. I say I'm trying to. I will be. Um, and there's just one brief example of something I drew a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's on my Instagram. It's like um, I can't can't really say I've related to eating disorder, but I have been overweight. So. It's funny with labels, isn't it? In a way, it is. I have a relationship with food where it comforts me um, and I overeat, basically. Um, and I. I relate well, to that so hard. I just want yeah. you to know you're not alone because <laughs> I do that too. Thank yeah, you. Same um, here. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going off on a tangent a little bit, but I was talking to my wife about you kind of, you're so, well, generally you associate eating disorders and um uh, with people with anorexia who might be or bulimia who might be really um skinny or something but as someone who's overweight it kind of it's almost like it's brushed aside you know what i mean i'm not saying i'm not saying any any one side is worse or better but it feels to me if you're overweight and fat people kind of judge you like yeah, but it's, it's it's as serious both ways yeah know? yeah but it makes you feel worse because people not actually take you seriously about it yeah mm. yeah um so get yeah getting to my point i drew it um when i was at my heaviest weight a couple of years ago i posted a picture of myself online i was just in my underwear which is quite vulnerable anyway i just wanted to post it up like a before picture so i could get some encouragement uh, to lose weight and then uh, most of the people were really encouraging <clears throat> and then there's one girl on there who just just wrote you ew mm-hmm. that was it two letters and it just it just sat with me it just stuck in my mind for ages so i so recently i drew this on a a3 piece of paper as a kind of illustration piece and it's weird it's been in my head all that time when it's on the piece of paper you just kind of see it for what it is and it's really cathartic isn't it as you know mm-hmm. It allows you to take a step back and just yeah 
And I, I kind of laugh at it as well because I'm thinking, why am I letting this random person affect me? I don't, I don't know her. She doesn't know me. She's just judging me for my appearance. Um, and that's her own problem. So, um, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm starting to do that more. Before, I was just kind of, um, I was doing a lot of portraits. And, um, yeah, I want to dig a bit deeper and do more personal things. So, uh, thank you for sharing what you're up to. It has inspired me to, to dig a bit deeper and see how I can do a bit more with that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was going to ask you, Sophie, you said, um, I think you said on your Instagram, you love uh, traveling as your yeah. kind of yeah, second, second favorite thing after art. Mm. So where where is the most like inspiring place you visited? I've been thinking about that because... As a family, we travel a lot. My mom is Scottish and my father's Lebanese, so we're kind of multicultural and we love traveling. We always go oh, back cool. to the same places. Yeah. But, and I, I studied in Scotland for two years. And really, I mean, it's not just because my mom is Scottish, obviously, I, but I think I would say my favorite place that I ever traveled to is Scotland, especially the West part. When 2018, I did like a little tour with a very dear friend of mine, a five day tour, just just five days. But I was just it was just breathtaking. The landscapes there, it, it's not just what you see, because we had the most amazing guide and he told us all these amazing stories about clan disputes and wars and myths about witches and wizards. And all these myths and stories were had happened or were within the landscape. So you kind of feel closer to the land. And ultimately I found it even more beautiful and I took so many pictures. And yeah, ultimately actually when I take pictures I like to get inspired from them to paint and I'm working on a painting right now um, that takes inspirations from these paintings, from these pictures, sorry. Um, I, but I really need to go back because it's a gorgeous place, really gorgeous place. So yeah, it kind of, I can't really say which one is my biggest passion. I think I like to merge both travel and painting or art in general. Mm. The one big, big, uh, big passion. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you get a lot of inspiration for mm. like soaking up different cultures and places anyway. So it's kind of all one of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Which is why quarantine is making it so difficult because you can't move. So, I mean, thank goodness we can just look outside our window and it might snow tomorrow, which actually makes, I might take pictures and stuff, but it's just it's difficult when you're used to just going to different places and meeting different people to find inspiration, a sense, yeah. which is why I'm kind of ravaged toward like my old pictures, but it's not the same, but it'll do for now. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll go back to normal fairly soon by summer hopefully let's see hopefully, yeah yeah <laughs> what about you Tara have you always lived in Paris or oh no <laughs> not at all uh it's actually a question I dread everyone every time someone is like um have you traveled or like where are you from I just lose my mind because I'm you know I'm Persian I'll study American French and Brazilian and um I just grew up 
like between Paris and LA and I travel to like literally I mean so many countries I can't even like I think I can it's easier for me to tell you where I haven't been because like <laughs> it's like I'm serious <laughs> so I have not been to all of Africa I have been to northern parts uh, I haven't been to Australia I have not been to uh, Asia actually and I haven't been to Russia Okay. so that answers it <laughs> I've been to the rest pretty much mm. um, I have some countries obviously to explore still and I would love to go and go back but I, I have had a life where I've lived in different places all of my life and I've also traveled a lot so and especially yeah. with the exhibitions you're going to do like you yeah, were, yeah 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 there but was that's one different. with students in South Korea no that's yeah but that was complicated that no yeah. that was that's past that was actually really complicated and it got oh. a bit um effed up with the covid situation and i mean that was like a bit bad but the traveling with the exhibition is very interesting because yeah. it really merges you know my love actually like you said the love for travel and art in a way that like it really makes me feel like this is what i was born for you know yeah. versus mm. like the other part of the traveling was very much more experiential and more about um becoming another person in another life, really like in another context, you know, having like this experience where, okay, I'm in America, I'm American, you know, I'm, I'm in Berlin, I'm German. Like, it's like having all these different experiences and it feels like an array of, of different lives. So it's very different, both the, the two types of traveling for me. Yeah. So have you got any travel opportunities this year with your exhibitions and stuff? Um. I mean, I actually have an exhibition, a solo in London, um, but we uh, pushed it back because of the COVID situation. So we were waiting. Mm. But whenever that's going to get stored out, um, it should get fixed, the date and everything. And it should be, I should be able to travel to London. Um, but for now, you know, everything is closed here. So the, the next travel opportunity is my vacation <laughs> in like July. But um we'll see what happens because honestly right now everything is so closed and at the same time I think we are so lucky to have a technology and an online based life where we can actually like travel in different ways right like yeah. right now we're having a podcast with you and Sophie and we're all in different places and we all see different things in our surroundings yet we are here and talking together and having this common experience so I think that's that's pretty amazing in terms of traveling yeah definitely yeah it's definitely something i think we've we normally take for granted but in the past year it's kind of uh, speaking for myself i'm a lot more grateful for the technology because if it happened 20 years ago it'd be a very different situation wouldn't it yeah. so um yeah tara um what can you say a bit more about this london exhibition then or was it yeah, uh, I mean, I can say more. I just I want to make clear that for now, you know, everything is frozen. So don't get your hopes up. Like, <laughs> it's just a project that um, has been frozen in the middle of it. But yeah. basically, um, I was super lucky a while ago. I think it was in 2019. And that seems like a million years ago now mm. um, where I exhibited. Um, and it was a collective exhibition called The Death of Art in London. 
and it was with the curators We Are Sweet Art. Um, and I really loved their curating work and I was just, you know, hoping for them to help me find other curators because I was trying to create this solo show about mental illness and more specifically actually about immigration trauma and you know what is that what that what happens with this when the process of like the process of the mind how it's influenced and impacted by immigration trauma but especially like not the first generation mostly the second one so the second wave so for example my parents um left iran i'm the second wave i was born like in france however Mm. I'm still splitted between multi, like I'm super multicultural. And so how does that impact identity, how it creates mental illness as well and studying different cases as well. And I think uh, there's a lot of that in the United States with kids, for example, that um, were born in the United States in a family that speaks Spanish uh, from any country, you know, that's in um, South America that speaks Spanish and they feel American within a Spanish community. I mean, Spanish speaking community, but at the same time, they're not accepted as such. It's it's just like this really weird in between, right? And like Mm -hmm. when I talk to people and I say, I'm from LA, um, they say, oh really? But you have such a weird accent, (laughs) you know? Or like they say, oh, but you, where were you born? Oh, but what's your passport? And it's just like, it's not that simple. You know, they have to put you in a box, which is weird. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, it's also, I think it's a lot of just lacking information. So this exhibition in in London is like, the goal is to put all this information in there and to start a conversation about something that I don't see a lot of people talking about. You know, I, I was even talking to my therapist and I was like, hey, do you have, do you know other therapists that specialize in immigration trauma like and, and and that type of trauma because it's like a PTSD situation, but it's not like veterans, you know. And th- there is very little information online, so it's just kind of trying to change that. Um, and the first step for me is just like, can we create a space that is interactive and um, with information, but that's also artistic and that will question a lot of beliefs for people from any kind of background to enter in there and have an experience and come out with questions, come out with anger, come out and disagree, come out and maybe identify. So that was the goal of the exhibition in London. I really hope it happens because Mm -hmm. I think it would be a great experience for me. It would be a great experience for other people and to just kind of collectively decide how can we move, how can we, make this happen you know how can we heal this because it's like this wound in in like a global society you know yeah that's beautiful um i'll definitely be there i'll keep an eye out (laughs) i'll definitely invite you no worries (laughs) thank you (laughs) so sophie what where do you see yourself going then um like in the next five years or so would you like to have your own exhibitions and stuff or are you kind of going with the flow a bit at the moment or it's it's tricky um to see in in the future of it i mean yeah the good thing about working in the art world is you don't necessarily need to have one plan you can just move and have different options i mm. we're working right now with tara and really like 
we've come a long way in the last few months i think i think yeah we really <laughs> but it, it's thanks to you sophie like you're an anchor <laughs> i want you to know that you're an anchor in this company like i need you you know like stop it it's all thanks to you but and yeah so working for the tire company and making it really like like the visibility we have a little bit of visibility but just improve that and just stop so much better more. now yeah exactly yeah. So there's that, but also, you know, I would love, well, um, even right now, I'm sometimes working in a gallery a little bit part-time. Um, I mean, it's going to finish now, but I, I did some like that a bit before. I like to work in a museum, maybe in a conservation department, uh, also in an auction house. Ultimately, maybe in like more than like five years, maybe 10 or 15, like to open my own gallery, maybe. Um, but as far as my art goes, you would be so good at that, Sophie. I'm just no, saying. Thanks. You would be so. That sounds like it's like made for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I'm. I'm yeah, I can see you do that. Like but... easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that means like work within the oval, but not, not be an artist per se. I don't think it's something I could do. I mean. Because I get so attached to my art, I just don't. I, I spend so much time. I don't want to sell it because when you attach the commercial aspect to it, I feel like it loses value for me at least. Mm. Which is why I talked a little bit with Tara about this. But I'm so you know, funny because I maybe... disagree so hard. But oh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's, it's different outlooks. But that's why I'm thinking. I've been working for the last two months about like maybe creating a little printing business, not like selling prints of my art um and i'm really close to kind of perfecting the whole thing and maybe like putting it out there but if if it works it would be great and maybe in five years maybe it could be a big thing um but at least i'd I would, I just like the experience of knowing how, how it works and creating a business and things like i mean i'm already doing that with utah but it's a different business to like create your own thing from scratch and have to figure out what paper you want to use and how you want to send it and what you how you want to do it. So yeah, it's it's very tricky, very very tricky. But yeah, in this in this situation, it's good to have to, just good to do something different. Fantastic! Oh, yeah. Wow, I look forward to listening to this podcast in fifteen years' time when you've got your own gallery. That'll be brilliant. Oh, gosh, yeah. Or even less time, in fact. I don't think it'll take you that long. We'll see, because, I mean, I have worked in a gallery before and everyone always tells me that it takes, like, 10 years to build the contacts and another 5, 10 years to build the finances. But it, it depends on what type of gallery you want to run, where you mm. want to run it, and how how you do business, for sure. So it could take less time. That would be amazing. Yeah, prove everyone what wrong. Just do it in five yeah. years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I can exhibit your art as well, Tara. Hopefully, <laughs> I hope so. And collaborate together. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> By then, it'd be selling for hundreds of millions. Fantastic. Well, it's actually it's funny because we had this conversation with another business uh, contact that uh, we were talking about that person that buys art for like 500,000. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yes, please buy my heart, my art. I, I will sell it to you for that price, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> but not, you know, not because it's it's like, I want money. It's, it's not that, like, that's also why, like for me, I think art is meant to be seen 
which is why I really like the commercial part of, you know, yeah. art. And also, um, it's not to discredit someone, you know, that wants to buy art with their money. It's more like, uh, I think money is very spiritual. And so it's a very intense spiritual exchange, you know? Yeah. I mean it in that way. Just wanted to clarify that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel the same. I respect money a lot more. Like before, I would I'd be embarrassed to ask people for money for my artwork. I would just say, oh, just pay me whatever you want. <clears throat> and then probably seven times out of ten, they wouldn't pay anything. So yeah, they didn't value it. Um, and I didn't value myself. So it's, yeah. So a lesson learned. So yeah, definitely. Have you guys heard of like um, crypto art at all? I, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, didn't we hear about it on that call that I, <laughs> I was referring to actually? But I need to do more research about that. I can't talk about this because I, yeah. I don't have information. You know? I don't really. I've been looking into it, and I've bought my first couple of pieces, and. Um, I'll send you some links afterwards. There's a there's a web website called OpenSea, O P E N S E A. Um, I think it's .org or .io or something. Um, and there's a lot of people selling art on there. And the good thing about having it on the blockchain is um, you can actually prove who who the artist is. I know you have. Um, like proof of ownership with artwork and stuff, but it's all digital. So you could do a, a one-off piece of art for, a, I don't know, a certain amount of money, or you could do editions if you wanted to. You could do like a hundred editions of a piece and it's all digital. So it's all very new. I think it's only been around like a couple That's of amazing. years. Yeah, I think it's... That's incredible. Yeah. I need to look into that. That's yeah, great. I'll send you the details. There's, there's just... I think people are starting to twig onto it. It's a very new thing, and it's people are trying to figure out how how it's going to work. But um, yeah, I can see the potential in it definitely. And there's a there's another way you could use it. Um, like a colleague of mine, he was showing me. You know, if you buy an expensive expensive piece of artwork, you need like a like I said, the certificate that goes with it. You can yeah. have the, yeah. You can have this certificate on on the blockchain instead so you can never lose it you can't like lose it in the laundry or the dry cleaners or something it's always on your digital wallet um so it'd basically be like a maybe a scanned in version of the the actual document and then when you sell it to someone else then that passes on and it's got like the trail from where it goes afterwards so it's got like a transaction trail so if you think in like a hundred years time this art has traveled all over the world you can see who's owned it it's pretty fascinating yeah it's amazing yeah yeah it's so a really good thing if you're thinking about um, museums or collections and stuff it's it used to take us of people ages to retrace the history of these pieces and now it's just going to be so much easier yeah oh. Yeah, definitely recommend looking into it. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any more questions. Did, I feel like asking you if you want to ask me anything. 
exactly. It's, don't uh, feel like you have to. But. No, but actually, I wanted to ask you about because I looked on your website and you have a, an exhibition that's in the works right now, and I wanted to ask you about it because I saw oh, yeah you have like on the website there's like your artwork which is amazing where I see all, most of your portrait uh, portrait art, and then like a little bit about yourself in the CV and your exhibition. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a group one. It's it's my very first one actually. It's um. Mm -hmm. Um, I applied to it a couple of months ago, and it's uh, it's based on um, the art. There's a gallery in Berlin, Berlin called the Lighthouse Gallery, and they um, they're working with Art Aviso. I can't pronounce it A R T A V I S O. Um, and what they did is. Uh, scan in this 1950s um, encyclopedia um, so everyone gets a reference sheet from that and I had a I had like a reference sheet uh, about monkeys in it um, it's just like a you know like you get these old encyclopedias which before the internet just had all the information about everything in it um, so the it's basically a prompt to uh, to recreate that. So um, what I did was I drew a picture of a gorilla sticking his fingers up, um, sticking his middle finger up, because basically in the in the original encyclopedia it said how monkeys are so um, monkeys are so alike um, to humans. And I was making the point that they might be physically, but humans treat other people on the planet a lot worse than monkeys do. So I was kind of explaining that the monkey is sticking his finger up to humans and saying, I'm nothing like you, basically. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, there's a bit of humour to it, but it's quite a serious issue that obviously how much pain humans cause each other. And I don't need to go through the list, you know. Yeah. what some humans can be like and it's if you look at a species like monkeys they they live in relative tranquility and they don't they don't go around killing people or ruining the planet so it's yeah I kind of come up with that from from the kind of trivial piece in the encyclopedia um, so that's going to be shown on the digital digital gallery uh, exhibition first of all and then in Berlin in September, so be nice to go over there for that. I haven't uh, haven't been to Berlin for probably about ten years. Oh. Yeah, it's a lovely city. So yeah, gorgeous. Mm. Yeah, so that's my first one. So I'm I'm just building things up. Uh, just the website you were looking at. I've literally just finished that. Wow. Um, I was archiving all my work because I had some advice from a from a mentor just um i didn't realize the importance of it archiving every piece um by date and putting it on the website it's kind of nice just seeing it all there because it as you both probably know sometimes you can just create loads of stuff and it's all over the place and it's nice to have kind of a yeah just to catalog. see how your art has evolved yeah yeah exactly yeah mm. Oh, that's amazing. That's congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. 
Yeah, I think I'm good. No more questions. Yeah, I'm good as well. Just uh, it was very yeah. nice conversation. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's come to a natural end. Um, yeah, I booked in an hour, but 40 minutes is fine. Um, yeah, I think that's good as well. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for spending your Saturday night with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a good one then, everyone. Yeah, yeah you too. Have fun, whatever you're doing. All right. Yeah, you too.